0: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
1: Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. It is a very smoothly run machine. I am Liz Loza. Right there is Matt Harmon. He's next to me. And Brett Raider, our producer, is making things happen on a keyboard back there. And we are uh, just finishing up week 4. Week
0: 4 well we still have a, Monday, a Sunday night and a, and Monday, a Monday night, night game But um can't talk about a Sunday night football that would be a big problem. I think that well this was this week kind of felt a little dry to me. Did you did you feel the same way? I'm not coming like last week I felt like I came off with a lot of big like more grand conclusions, you know, some like pivotal well, league-wide talking points. I don't really have that. As much
1: Some time. of the so I, I think what you're also saying is that three games in you can say that now it's no longer fluky like we're starting sure. to d- decide who teams are enough evidence has been shown that we can um, piece together some tangible theories and conclusions but one of those I think was a little bit turned on its head. On, in the Cleveland Ravens game. Mm-hmm. So that, that if we're talking about grand conclusions, we had one, and now I'm a little bit unsure of it. Lamar Jackson did pass for, I mean, he did throw three touchdowns, so that's mm-hmm. great. But Hollywood Brown didn't have the bounce back game that we were anticipating. Mark Ingram fumbled. <sighs> that was kind of weird. What a shame. Not really like him.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, no. that, that's not... He's been super reliable. Yeah.
1: Willie Sneed goes, uh, you know, only... Only catches two balls, but he has a touchdown for 61 yards.
0: Miles Boykin got in the end zone.
1: Mark Andrews continues to beast, even though he's not 100%. Um, So I did think this was a little bit wonky. Odell Beckham Jr., though, 20 receiving yards. I mean, so what are you doing with OBJ now? Like, let's do that, because that's a big star name that a lot of people were drafting as their first wide receiver overall.
0: Yeah. Myself included, I had him as my number two receiver overall in drafts. Um, I had him as a guy that, you know, I would take in the back half of the first round. So I have him on a decent amount of teams. And I'm not, like, worried in the slightest, to to be honest with you. Like, I I don't really care that he's...
1: You're not worried at all, despite the fact that he's only had one big game and it was against the Jets?
0: Yeah, he's had one massive game. I mean, he hasn't, like exploded under the scene yet the whole offense i think is still trying to find itself so i still think over also like by the way seven for 71 like you're gonna take that from your wide receiver sometimes like you're gonna take six like okay, i totally get it like two for 20 that's tough to swallow today that's tough but like you have to expect that receivers occasionally are going to get like six for 56 those type of lines and in general i'm okay with that uh, I still I still think the best is yet to come for Baker, Odell, these guys. Like, I think winning in the way they did today, too. Like, when you have a running back who goes off for 160-plus yards, three touchdowns, like, totally carries the load of not just the running game but the entire offense. of that
1: in Week 3. So that might be a potential e- thing that was happening.
0: For sure. So, I think this was actually a good – like, I think this team needed a win and, like, a legit win because they went against the Jets, you know, like – Who cares, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like, you beat Luke Falk for, like, 75% of the game.
1: Well, and if they had lost that game, I mean, the expectations were so high for that game that there would be a lot of crazy-making in the the head. But I do think when you're looking at OBJ, like, I also just, he and Baker Mayfield, forget the numbers piece of it. When you watch, they're not in rhythm. No, they're not on the
0: same page. And it's worth noting, too, that Beckham came into into the year a little... Banged up. up mm-hmm. Missed some practice time. It's so M.O. Yeah, there's his M.O. Like, th- there's still some chemistry that I think needs to be found there. Um, So, in all, I'm not too, too worried about it. You know, this is the thing. Like, Jarvis Landry pops up for a big game today, and, like, he and Baker do know each other very well.
1: I guess what I'm talking about is, like, managing your expectations and, and when you are— I, I don't think you can put OBJ in your roster and assume you're going to get a double-digit fantasy outing on a week-to-week basis.
0: No, probably. Probably not. This is this is still like the only stone disaster game that same I for Devonte Adams
1: though. By the way, until this past week against yeah. a very beatable secondary though.
0: I mean, this is the thing about like what wide receivers, right? Like I think they are overall more like week to week volatile than running backs. Like when you have a top of the line running back, you expect them to go out there and get ten points. You know, you
1: expect them to, expect them to score a touchdown.
0: Yeah, score a touchdown, get eighty plus yards, great that's not the case with wide receivers because matchups, you know, and also like wide receivers, the top, top level guys, maybe you're going to only get the ball thrown to him like eight to 10 times a game. Few players like really average, you know, 13, 15 targets a game or anything like that. So you expect this sort of volatility from top level wide receivers. It happens to everyone. It's happening to DeAndre Hopkins right now too. It doesn't mean anything about the player. It doesn't mean, it doesn't always mean anything about the player. It doesn't always mean anything. It certainly doesn't mean anything about the position as a whole, but, The thing with wide receivers and why people do prefer them is they, number one, they do have like an outrageous ceiling. You know, Mm -hmm. some of these guys, like an Odell Beckham, can go out and put up 180 plus yards and a touchdown on the Jets' defense and just really tilt your fantasy week. Devontae Adams can do that on Thursday Night Football. And also, they don't have the same, they don't have the same type of season long volatility where like, Oh, you have Saquon Barkley, and now you're banged because he's just out for an extended period of time. There's much more injury risk at the running back position. The numbers do bear that out historically. So then,
1: are you as calm about Marquise Brown?
0: Well, I mean, it's it's certainly like a different situation, right? You know, it's not because the his same draft player. capital wasn't as high. Well, it's not the same. It's not the same player. Like I think Marquise Brown's great, but Odell Beckham. Over the first like two weeks a, of the
1: season, we were considering him like a top right wide receiver.
0: Yeah, I I think. I think he's still a guy that you have to. The, what I said about him coming off coming off of week one is probably still how, how I feel about him now, which is he's a guy that you have to accept that there's a floor here um, because of the way he's used, because of the style, because of his quarterback too. Like I think Lamar is having that incredible second year leap, mm-hmm. and you know if the Ra- like the Ravens are two and two now, you know they're not at the same level as they were a couple of uh, a couple ago. weeks ago, but they are still a strong contending team, their quarterback has gotten them there. So I think if Lamar continues to have the second-year leap, then you're still going to want to feel the same way about Marquise Brown, which is basically you have to know there's a floor here. There's going to be volatility because of the way he's used. However, you're going to every week have to ask yourself, like, am I putting 20 points on the bench? Because mm-hmm. he? we know he has that within his range of outcomes.
1: Should we put some respect on the Lions?
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Look. I think
1: we can agree on that.
0: I don't know if it's because i'm just overcorrecting because i don't and i don't think i was alone on this i think a lot of people thought the lines would be kind of a joke uh, i thought they'd be a pushover like look coming into the year i didn't respect Matt Patricia as the head coach is like the head man of this organization. No,
1: he was yeah. screaming around, yelling at reporters on a rascal or something, <laughs> an
0: like, ATV, <laughs> whatever, which yeah. even just even seems more like like bur- burly ass man yeah. or whatever. Number two, like was just kind of done with Matt Stafford as like a. F- the the leader of a team like a mm-hmm. franchise quarterback type maybe just lost him in the shuffle of all these young breakout guys also had no like thought the defense would still be a sieve and also just you know didn't really believe in their team identity as like a run the ball type organization but so far none of that has like bared out to be the case I mean I don't know if Patricia's is the answer long term for this team but Stafford's played really well their passing game has been pretty fun in terms of getting the ball down the field and their defense is also no pushover I know that they still lose the game like and that's the thing like the Lions aren't soaring or anything they're 2-1-1 one, and one, and they really should have won that game in week one and they really let this game get away from them but overall like right now this team Looks pretty good. Their defense deserves some respect based on the fact that they held Patrick Mahomes under 60 percent completion mm-hmm. and didn't let up a touchdown.
1: I mean, I think it's a, a marriage of the old Lions and the new Lions and the old Lions, particularly under the Matt Stafford era, is that this is a quarterback and thus an offense that rises to the level of competition. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if they're playing a bad team, they're probably not going to have a productive outing. Like that That's always been the way Stafford has played. I do think it's awesome to see also Kenny Galladay is good. And this is, you know, in the pre-draft process, I had him ranked as my wide receiver 17, which was not nearly high enough. I bought into the whole this team is telling us who they want to be and they want to establish the run, and that means less opportunities for Kenny Galladay. So I'm gonna take the potential scheme over talent, and I was mistaken. He is beasting also with Danny Amendola out in this one. You saw TJ Hawkinson score and then tried to replicate what Logan Thomas did earlier and hurdle a defender and get concussed in the process. So So, uh, I don't think he will play next week. It'll be interesting to see if Danny Amendola is out. Although, wait, are they on bye next week? Let's look that up.
0: Yeah, um, either way, uh, overall, I think your points are right. Like, Let me tell you about Kenny Galladay. Liz, you're talking about being, like, wide receiver 17. You didn't have him high enough. Uh, I had Kenny Galladay, like, outside my top, they 20, are on top 20 wide receivers. So, like, I took a big fat L on Kenny Galladay, like, two weeks ago in my care-don't-care care column that I mm. post every Sunday night, basically saying, like, yeah, I don't care about any of the volume concerns about Kenny Galladay or, like, any of the offensive concerns that I had going into the year because, like, he's number one. Like, this is a clear situation where talent is is, like, making opportunity you know we always try to say like opportunity rules all like you want to go with opportunity over talent or, or you know what the coaches think over what you think about their talent like and that's all generally true but sometimes a player's so good that it creates opportunity for themselves and that's what's happening with kenny Galladay here so i'll take the big big fat l on uh, how I view well, Kenny Gall, we both get to take a year.
1: big W on Carryon Johnson, who finally had yeah. himself a game, and this was lovely to see. Went for over a hundred yards. Um, he did have twenty carries last week against the Eagles in this post C.J. Anderson era, which was lovely to see as well. But obviously, a tough matchup against the Eagles. He does much better this go around. He to me is continuing to be like you know we had the fantasy footballers on our show earlier in August and. <laughs>
0: This one, uh.
1: <laughs> this one, Josh, was Josh, Jason, Jason, Jason was, very, <laughs> I did it again, was very um high on carry on. I
0: think he had him as think, like top 12 running back, right?
1: I think he had him top six. Oh, right. Like to me, he's in that low end RB one, high end RB two range. But now after this outing, I feel much more comfortable consistently ranking him there.
0: Yeah, I mean, they want him to be the feature piece of the offense, and then they kind of signal that with like sending C.J. Anderson out of the picture
1: and adding Paul Perkins.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you didn't even really need to say that. It's not really like adding anything. Um, but like the opportunity had been there, and I think, like you said, last week was actually a really good signal because the opportunity was there, and it's like, yeah, you're doing that against the Eagles. Why does anybody run the ball against the Eagles? Like they're the we talk well, about these defenses that like invite. They're like a funnel defense. They invite one side of the ball to attack them with the way they're set up. And the Eagles are so bad in the secondary and so still so good as a run defense. Like, why does anybody, you know, bother?
1: I do want to talk about the running back or the backup running back who's starting in place of Saquon Barkley, the starter in New York. Because, man, if you... Spent a lot of money, a big portion of your fab budget on Wayne Gallman. You were you're at least happy good. this week.
0: Yeah, you're feeling pretty good with right? two TDs against the damn Washington football team.
1: Dose touchdowns, one through the air, one um, via the ground. The matchup, though, was incredible. Did you watch this game particularly closely? No, I, I mean, don't i got to be honest, I Right? I saw Dwayne Haskins go in, and I was like, oh, I hope you all get what you asked for. Are yeah. you really excited? You wanted Case Keenum to be benched? Look. Look what happens, but yeah. So he did. I don't think his his matchup next week is not particularly favorable, um, and he actually only, I believe, has.
0: Uh, They're playing the Patriots coming yeah. up soon. Um, I'm not particularly like the thing. The thing about Wayne go-
1: Minnesota,
0: yeah, Minnesota it's a, it's a next brutal week. Stretch. So. I'm not particularly like jazzed up about. Wayne Gallman, you know, as a player, but this was a situation where it was like, he's the only game in town, you know, like, mm-hmm. and even then like the numbers today weren't super, super efficient. By the way, Washington's another one of these defenses where it's like, why does anybody try to run against them? Because they're actually doing pretty well as a run defense or top 10 against running backs in terms of like yards and fantasy points allowed and stuff like that. But they just get creamed in the secondary uh but you know gallman 18 carries only 63 yards whatever um but does get six for 55 through the air that was i think the most encouraging beyond the two touchdowns you know whatever that can come and go as as things as things happen but the, the six catches was actually probably pretty encouraging overall for him because like i said he really is the only game in town and you know Saquon Barkley's such a big part of this passing game in terms of what he can do through the air that it was nice to see. Like, yeah, Gallman's not going to be that type of dynamic player, but but seeing... I wonder if
1: that changes when Golden Tate returns good point. to the fold. So I don't I don't That's know if if Gallman is going to continue to have that high floor in terms of receiving work once Golden Tate, who is does that same thing, comes yeah. back into the fold. All which in will all,
0: be yeah. All in all, this is an offense that like I'm liking more and more the way i look at it too and you know like yeah because i still Hmm. i still think that daniel jones you know this wasn't quite the same performance as what we saw in his first start where he went you know goes out and just drops a hammer on the bucks but still has 33 rushing yards that's nice to see does make the two mistakes with the interceptions um but He's certainly he's certainly an upgrade over what Eli Manning is this year. You know that's just pretty much undebatable. And Sterling Shepard's a good player. Evan Ingram mm-hmm. kind of disappears today a little bit, but that's that's kind of that's, gonna that's fantasy football, that's fantasy football for you against Washington. You you love to see it. Um, and Golden Tate coming back like Golden Tate's no slouch. You know, mm-hmm. Golden Tate was on pace for a. One of his best years with the Lions before he got traded last year, you know, midseason and gets sent to a team where he really didn't have like an ideal fit with the Eagles late last year. So I still think the collection of weapons here is actually pretty nice. I like what Daniel Jones is doing. I think the offensive line improving is one of the quietest stories. So that's
1: what I was going to actually say was that to me, the most impressive stat coming out of this week was that Daniel Jones didn't take a sack.
0: Yeah. So He's, He took a lot. He was under pressure a lot last week.
1: Right. The matchup has to be part of this but the fact that the O-line was able to keep him protected I also think that, you know, we don't talk about this but a sack I think is half a quarterback stat oh, as well, yeah, it, right? It's not just evidence of a, a Right. De, de, um, Deshaun Watson Deshaun Watson's a perfect example of this like yes his O-line has been trashed for many years but he also holds on to the ball way too long. So I like the fact that this O-line and this quarterback are working in at least some sort of harmony. And again <laughs> Minnesota next week and a England. much truer test when yeah. you have you know uh, Daniel Hunter and Everson Griffin coming at you.
0: Maybe you're looking at Giants players right now. Like I know we got a question before we started taping about you know is Wayne Gallman a guy that you want to package with like another like a Jarvis Landry or Robert Woods type to maybe try to upgrade right now? Maybe Gallman. It's time. It's a good time Could to get out of him before this brutal two game stretch, and then maybe some of these other Giants players you want to buy back in on. After they get past this Vikings Patriots part of the schedule, um, but overall, I do think that the Giants are much more interesting. Still, I still feel that way even after um, today's game. How do you feel about Haskins coming out of? I mean, he's I mean, in a he's in a nightmare spot. Like you talk about sacks being a quarterback stat. There was one time it was one sack he took in this game where I was just like, "Dear God, that it was embarrassing." So,
1: this was what I was. Kind of alluding to when I talked about Case Keenum in FFL, is Case Keenum good? No, but also the coach. I also think this is a particularly interesting from a football point of view because Jay Gruden is in a spot where a lot of his job is dependent on Dwayne Haskins' success. Yet Dwayne Haskins, to most everyone's admission, is not ready to play. Yeah. And if you are a first-round pick. Who in 2019 at the quarterback position who is not ready to play a month into the season, that is abnormal. Nobody is sitting quarterbacks anymore and letting them know the Alex Smith model is the anomaly in the NFL right now. Look at Daniel Jones, right? Um, They tried
0: their best to sit him, but here we are. And they
1: were advocates of the Alex Smith uh, model or whatever. So you have an O-line that is still no one's really talking about the Trent Williams holdout just sort of like facts now it's yeah. good that's allowing a ton of pressure you have a quarterback who is not particularly mobile despite one like what 18 20 yard scamper today, yeah. or something right but for the most part a statue in the pocket feeling a bunch of pressure with no real weapons and don't at me about Terry McLaurin yes Gary Terry's amazing I understand the narrative of them having been college teammates but next week they get Buffalo, I believe. Like, are you kidding? But they're Buffalo or, or New England. They One get of New the England two. next. They get week. New England next week. The Patriots haven't allowed a touchdown to a wide receiver yet this season. That's an d- awful play. Now, week six, Dwayne Haskins is at Miami. Do I really want to like bother stashing anything on this offense for that particular matchup? Not in season long. Like maybe come week six, if I'm getting frisky in DFS, I throw a dart. But I have, I just don't want any part of this offense in a matchup that is not if they if he couldn't exploit a matchup against the Giants then I'm out
0: the the tough part with quarterback like there's a couple of things that you mentioned like the Alex Smith model the problem with the Alex Smith model is that you have to have Alex Smith and like for all mm. the, we remember well they did of Alex Smith yeah the problem is these other I mean that's right that's true Washington technically does have Alex Smith on their roster but like Case Keenum in 2019 is not Alex Chiefs Smith. Alex Smith right Eli Manning in 2019 is certainly not Chiefs Alex Smith. So that's the problem, number one. So then your quarterback has to get thrown into the fire because, like you said, no one sits quarterback for any length of time. But the problem with this, too, is, like, a lot of these guys aren't prepared. You know, like, Dwayne Haskins has never taken a first-team rep because nobody gives, like— Chris Thompson said this on Twitter this week. I think it was Thursday night, you know, they're pass catching running back there in Washington. He says like, you know, the fact someone was like, someone told like some reporter tweeted out, a source has told me that, you know, like Haskins isn't even getting any first team reps. That's like how not high the organization is on and, you know, he's taking scout team reps. And uh Chris Thompson said, uh, I've got time basically was like, I've got time for this today. Like no one gives reps to backup quarterbacks, like unless you're they give reps to starters. And but that's
1: also a lovely excuse. Gardner Minshew didn't get any damn reps with the first team yep. either, and he's making magic happen. And
0: that's total, that is totally true. And I'm, I think if Daniel Jones didn't get any first team reps. He's playing well. I think a lot of it is just the ecosystem that these, even Baker Mayfield, you know, never got a first team rep with. Um, so, yeah, the more I'm saying this now, the more I'm actually thinking it, it's, it, it could still be an indictment on the quarterback. I, just, I don't think the entire
1: end. ecosystem is healthy enough for this guy to thrive. No.
0: Yeah. And yet, I, I, Usually you say this sarcastically, but like you hate to see it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, the inverse of that, though, in terms of creating a lovely ecosystem for a quarterback that the team did not anticipate being the starter would be Indianapolis and Jacoby Brissett. You had some really powerful takes when we weren't filming, just just shooting the you know what in the middle of the day. Do you think Jacoby Brissett is a QB1 for fantasy purposes? A top, let's say, 14 guy.
0: I mean, I think he's in that, like, priority streamer type, which, yeah, I would say around is, like, QB 14, um, because, like, today he doesn't have his number one receiver, and to be fair, he threw, like, a back-breaking interception that was brutal. He His completion percentage, 24 to 46, wasn't great. He's not, like you said, he's not an elite quarterback or anything like that, but... A
1: capable manager.
0: A capable manager that, like, coming into today, he had a 7-1 to touchdown interception ratio, completing almost 72% of his passes, and then in a good matchup like this, for fantasy, goes out and throws three touchdowns, you know, with guys like Eric. And some of it was in garbage time, but points all are counts. points. It all counts. And I think he's a guy that when you're looking at matchups and, uh, he's got by a good the way, one next, next week, week. <laughs> he's playing the Chiefs. Uh, if you didn't pick him up off your waiver wire this week, I think that, you know, and he's only 35% 30, uh, owned in Yahoo League. So, like, he's a guy that's still out on a lot of waiver wires. Um, you know, if you lost the great Case Keenum today on from your fantasy team, maybe you will play Jacoby Brissett next week. But point is, I still think he's got a lot. He's got a lot of upside, uh, on a week to week basis because, as you mentioned, this ecosystem is very healthy for a guy to come in with a lot of first team reps based on what he was doing in the offseason with Andrew Luck. You know, not there because of injury.
1: So we like to play a game called Tilted or Jilted during our FFL halftime shows. I want to play one with you with one one character
0: character player a a character (laughs) um
1: from this same game marlon mack was supposed to have himself a game today but he only carried the ball 11 times for 39 yards now that was obviously because game flow got away from this team but are you tilted or jilted on mack
0: I'm definitely I'm just tilted, but it's a pretty hard tilt because mm-hmm. this looked like a great spot. They were, I think, at one point they were a touchdown home favorite um, over the Raiders. But as you said, like that's the worry with the player like Marlon Mack because again, it doesn't matter really what you think about Marlon Mack. They they don't want to use him as like a feature of the pass game. Well, um, so that
1: was that was the point that I was going to make because Naheem Hines. So six we had thirty nine. Yeah. He caught all six of his targets, too. Like it wasn't just like like he was efficient. He kept the job. He proved himself to be more than capable. And at the end of last year, the end of 2018, we started to see Mac more involved in the passing game. And I think that's what convinced a lot of us that at the top of this season we could rank him more aggressively because he was starting to get those looks. And then in a situation like this, and then that is why I bring up the tilted or jilted thing it wasn't because of game flow, but it was because like, well. Leave him on the field then.
0: Yeah, Frank Reich uh, even said coming into the year, like, yeah, we want him mm-hmm. as a three-down back. Like, and he has six targets on the year so far, and zero today in that negative game game script. That's the problem with Mac, and this is why I still had him as a, before the Andrew Luck retirement. I had him as a, outside my top 15 running backs because, yeah, he's got a great a great ceiling on a week to week basis because if the Colts are rolling. You know, he's going to be a guy. As we that,
1: expected they would with Andrew Luck.
0: As they, uh, Yeah, as we certainly thought there would be more of that with Andrew Luck. And, and he's had big games, right? Like mm-hmm. week one, 25 carries, 174 yards, a touchdown against the Falcons, a great matchup, 16 carries, 74 yards, a touchdown. Like he has those big games, but he's not going to ever have a top five at the position type ceiling on, on a week-to-week basis because of that pass game usage. And then you have to worry about stuff like this, where the Raiders come out and get an early lead, and then you're like, oh, you know, damn, we, we got to play from behind. And and mm-hmm. Marlon Mack is just not a part of that, that game plan.
1: Fascinating, too, because heading into this game, he had the most carries, I believe, at 61, averaging over 20 a game amongst running backs. So. Keeping an eye on that. Um, I let's see. Where do we want to go next? Oh my goodness! Just side note: Is Darren Waller ever going to score a darn touchdown? It's not going to be next week against the Bears, or maybe it will be next week against the Bears because that's fantasy football. That's and hope fantasy
0: is poison. Football. I like that analysis right there. Okay. Yes, he'll he'll eventually <laughs> score a touchdown. He's
1: still a baller. We still like him, but it would be great if he could find the end zone. It'd be great. It just be great all around. We talked about Nick Chubb, didn't we?
0: We did talk a lot. Of, I mean, yeah, we talked a lot about Nick Chubb. We touched a little bit on it, like. Great. This is this is what we expect out of Nick Chubb. I thought it was honestly encouraging that in in the moment where I thought Freddie Kitchens needed to, you know, look in the mirror and 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 see where things were at with this Browns offense, it was very clear that they needed to I, I thought the offense like last year, obviously Baker Mayfield, kind of the star of the show. You know, they're making a lot of downfield passes, but you can say what you want about like the running game and does it matter, but I think the offense flowed really well through Nick Chubb last year and I think that today was a good example of why they need to kind of recommit to that. Like when this team is is tough with its cuz I think Nick Chubb's just such a good back. When they flow through Nick Chubb and then they try to make plays based off that, I think that's when they're at their best as an offense.
1: I think also you talked about and it's a great point that you made over the summer. If this defense is to become more efficient, then Nick Chubb will be more relied upon. Yeah. And we saw that Start to bear out in this contest.
0: Yeah, and they are, they are a good defense. Yes. Like they're a very, very Even good defense. Even if their secondary
1: is not 100% healthy, I mean, can you imagine when Ward and Greedy Williams are actually on the field?
0: Yep. They trade and they trade for Jalen Ramsey.
1: Oh. But that <laughs> I think that also means that Nick Chubb's ceiling is just going to get higher and higher.
0: Yeah, I think only good, more good things to come for Nick Chubb. Obviously, Kareem Hunt is lurking in the future. His return, week, whatever. Week 11 though? Week yeah. 10? Like, please. You're going to have so many more problems to deal with than Kareem Hunt by week 11. Like, I mean, we all—will we even be here?
1: You alluded a little—I mean, I hope so. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> I
0: um, thought you were just going to keep on moving. I was like, you leave that cliffhanger. Uh,
1: you alluded to this a little bit earlier, but um, is Nuke nuked?
0: <laughs> I mean, that By gotta, the way, Brett wrote that. I <laughs> got to gotta, okay. hey, give, give credit to That's Brett on Raider that That's a Brett original. Yeah, I was like, that one actually made me chuckle a little bit. Uh, But so far, like the last few weeks, DeAndre Hopkins, 5 for 41, 6 for 67— Five for forty, and then of course, obviously, week one he had thirteen or uh, eight catches on thirteen targets for 111 yards and a pair of scores. But last three weeks have not been pretty. Uh, this could you could f- flow this under the stuff happens. We're live right now, so I have to say stuff instead of what I want to actually say. Oh, I can just say it. All yeah, right, I'll believe cool. well, it mean, on the pod. I mean, you know, shit happens like that's sometimes the answer uh, in fantasy Uh-oh. football. Our Twitter's been uh, deactivated. Oh well, for you breaking hate to see it. Um, <laughs> yep. but. Sometimes it happens in fantasy football and like this could just be that. But I also think that, you know, even before the Kenny Stills trade, one thing I talked about was that like, hey, you got to kind of worry about New Copkins as like a funnel receiver because they have a lot of weapons here now. And, and they're at a point now where they're all kind of canceling each other out because Will Fuller's not really popping. Kiki Cutie and Kenny Stills. I mean, Kenny Stills has kind of pushed Cutie to the background. I mean, but
1: so, I mean we'll see if that changes. We should, we should mention now in case someone didn't see our halftime show that. Kenny Stills left the contest with a hamstring issue yeah. those can obviously flare up we don't know what the timetable is on that but Kiki Cutie would step into the big slot role if Stills were to miss time
0: and you know you've got Duke Johnson taking like four meaningless targets a game oh,
1: uh the did you Duke Johnson love will continue to baffle me
0: I feel I feel stupid for that one
1: well just that one
0: yeah just that <laughs> one I mean so sometimes I'm like, OK, I see where I got to that take. I see where I got to that decision. Yeah, the process there. I'm not really a fan of the process on the Duke Johnson one.
1: But I, you were right about the De- DeAndre Hopkins
0: yeah, process. Yeah, because I mean, right. Like right now. And you called
1: that very early on. It's why he wasn't your number one receiver overall heading into the season.
0: Exactly. So, I mean, like, what are what's the expectation here now for DeAndre Hopkins? Like, it's not that I mean, Jacksonville, Jalen Ramsey, obviously, that was a tough game. You know, that was. That's a tough spot.
1: I mean, he's covered Marshawn Lattimore, who hasn't been playing Marshawn Lattimore-esque football, but still a very I mean, good cornerback. That, that, that was week one. He still went off for 11, uh, 111 yards. Jalen Ramsey in week two. Casey Hayward in week three. Um, James
0: Bradbury's pretty solid so, for the Panthers. But
1: ah, who does he get in week five? The Falcons and Trufant got owned by A.J. Brown today. So right, I think right. you can have yourself a bounce back <laughs> moment in week
0: five. Dial up the bounce back game because, I, I mean, even going forward, I think that's the, the heart of this take is I think now might be a good time to just go check in with that DeAndre Hopkins uh, manager and say, like, hey, what do you think about selling, uh, selling for maybe 75 cents on the dollar here? Because, like, got the Falcons next week, the Chiefs. The Colts, Ooh. the Raiders, oh. Jacksonville again, without probably Jalen, without Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> then you got the bye week, Baltimore, Indianapolis, New England. That's when, yeah, finally, but your yeah. week
1: 16 is at Tampa Bay. Juicy, nice, all right. And
0: before that, it's uh, Tennessee who just bleeds passing touchdowns, despite, despite the fact they add like a big name free agent. What is the deal with that with the Tennessee Titans? Like they add like a big name free agent in the secondary like every year, and they still can't stop giving up touchdowns.
1: I was really thought I really thought this would be the week that we see um, Ryan Tannehill, and didn't happen. So, thank you, Atlanta uh, Falcons. If anything, for the... that makes the DeAndre Hopkins bounce back that much sweeter.
0: That mean like the Marcus Mariota truthers, because believe me, they still exist. They just they they just ha- had another they all year back
1: from area fifty one. They
0: just th- yes, they <laughs> and they just had another year tacked onto their lives. Like we have to deal with them now for a whole another year <laughs> because because of this one. Of yeah, yeah of like the they're tw- ble- the clips will be hitting Twitter. Any moment now. And they were like, Marcus Mariota can throw the deep ball, see, like this. And then you watch him in any game, and he's like the most scatter shot, exhausting player. So like watching Marcus Mariota, it shouldn't be this rude to him, like on a week where he's coming off a good game, but like watching Marcus Mariota, it's like soul sucking. He's he's like takes the joy out of watching football because he's just so robotic and like doesn't want to do anything that might get him hit.
1: Well, that's fine, fair. Although I don't know. I mean, I th- that was the argument last year, right? It was like, we were going to let him off his chain and let him run a little bit more. And I think he's just sort of like he nah, run, we're he good. I don't need to do that. We will see. So Taylor Lewan should be back next week now that he saved, he's had his 4 uh weeks of suspension served. So maybe he'll have a little bit more protection, won't feel as spooked and will feel a little less robotic moving forward, but I wouldn't hold my breath. Still, let's let's leave some room for optimism. Um Josh Allen, after feeling very optimistic about the Bills for the first couple of weeks of the season, Josh Allen had a tough matchup in New, uh, against New England. He um, he got concussed real bad in this one. I I mean that's the injury. And then you had a uh, Matt Barkley out there.
0: Oh, so depressing. For I mean. But throwing I know.
1: darts at Cole Beasley's feet, by the way. That was <laughs> – I, li- I literally said out loud, what What are you doing? I know Cole Beasley's little, but geez.
0: <laughs> Not that little. <laughs> I know that Josh Allen wasn't having, like, the best game in the world, but, like, the Bills' defense really deserved Ooh. to win that game. And I tweeted that, and, like, a couple of <laughs> – a couple of really sensitive Pats fans hop in my mentions, like, what, the Patriots' defense don't deserve to win this game? Like, sure, OK, sorry, you guys, I can't say pos- anything positive about like any other fan base literally ever without giving you guys due credit for beating Matt frickin Barkley. But like, yeah, I felt bad for the, the Bills. I know Josh Allen wasn't having the greatest game ever, but to lose him in that one and then you got to have Matt Barkley trot out there. Who
1: did you feel worse for, Josh Allen or the couple that got married at halftime?
0: I didn't even know about this. What? What?
1: Oh, yeah. Fifteen hundred couples. So three thousand humans entered a contest to get married, a contest. Like they wanted to do this, to get married at halftime during this um, matchup. And John Kelly walked the bride out. Um, they got like a signed football from the owner, from Pakula. Jim Kelly? Yeah.
0: I thought, sorry. I thought you meant John Kelly, the backup Rams running back. Oh, no, no, no,
1: I'm sorry. I might have said <laughs> John Vols, Kelly. Go am I, I right, Sully? <laughs> Sully? <Try that> <laughs> um, I might. I meant Jim Kelly, even if I said John Kelly. Yeah, they got married.
0: Hell Yeah. What a what a what a game to get married on. I mean, your team's 3 and 0 and you got to do it against the Patriots.
1: Um they knew a date was coming.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know who caught the bouquet.
1: Also, canapés like I I have lots of questions. Like where's the reception? Uh let's talk about Rams Tampa Bay.
0: Yeah. Uh, this was an interesting game cuz number one oh, like Cuz you sucks. Yeah, and I came into this game thinking like the Rams have really changed their identity. They're like, they've been a really defensive first team through the first three weeks. And like, you know, they didn't have, I don't th- think they had any layups. Like they beat Carolina in Carolina and before Cam had reaggravated that foot injury. They, pl- they played, the Teddy Bridgewater led Saints for the most part in week two. But even then, like the Saints, the Saints are a talented enough team that they're not just like <laughs> they're not a give me. So the Bucks drop a literal hammer on the Rams in LA. I mean, Chris Godwin comes in super questionable, two has touchdowns. two touchdowns. Jameis Winston only threw one potentially backbreaking interception, which was pretty brutal. But Ronald um, Jones
1: scores a touchdown. Ronald Jones Paid Marvel a touchdown. To be
0: fair, Homecoming game for Ronald Jones, you know. Oh, don't do it U- to me, former anymore. former USC back. Oh gosh. So Stop narrative. It. Stop <laughs> it. The narrative was oh, there. he's my back goodness, in the Coliseum. I told
1: him you're right. Oh my gosh, he felt the Trojans' love, and he knew he had to do something. Wow. Um. Todd Gurley, though, he also finally started to uh, look a little. I mean, his YPC was real bad. He didn't look particularly fast or explosive, but at least he's getting the goal line exposure, which was the thing we were so concerned about a couple of weeks ago
0: yeah i mean todd Gurley, you could talk out of like both sides of your mouth right like didn't get very many carries but he scored two touchdowns man this rams offense really not what you'd expect got a lot of looks in the passing game though that was that was nice to see because that was a big that was like the trope of the week in fantasy football like that was the stat of the week that everyone had was that the rams had thrown the fewest passes of any team to the to the running back position Gurley comes out and gets 11 targets Catches seven balls, so
1: well that's because because Jared Goff was so tilted, he was just like, "Boom, get it out,
0: get it out of here!" Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think that that's just the way that you're gonna have to go with Todd Gurley. Like that's the that's where you're at. Um, the Buck side of this, though, I think was almost more interesting to me, though, like. I,
1: I will just real quick on Todd Gurley. Sure. I'm going to be interested to see after this game when all of the advanced metrics come in. So, so Tuesday about,
0: Hope you're still interested in that one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I, I want to see what like the stacked, the exact stacked front um, versus base front carry rate in this game yeah. was um, because so far he he is averaging over four yards per carry against stacked fronts and over 5.8 in base fronts. So. His efficiency hasn't been bad. Yeah. He just hasn't been used as prolifically.
0: Yeah, just I mean you I just think it kind of is what it is territory with Todd Gurley like right. this is the situation. Like a top
1: what? Like a top 18, 20? Yeah. 18, He's 20. This guy yeah. you
0: probably going to yeah. want to start unless you're really well off at the running back position. Ooh, lucky you. Yeah, good for you.
1: Um so Matt, are there any other things you want to discuss? Anything else like really popping out to you that you think that are listeners need to know about be aware of
0: no I think, that, <laughs> I think that about does it for week four how about you you got anything else you want to say before we get out of here
1: i i always feel like we don't talk about the thursday game
0: yeah thursday kind of gets lost in the shuffle yeah um
1: uh, what are you what's your concern level for aaron Rodgers?
0: oh what do you mean i mean he's coming off like the best game of the season right but
1: heading into this but but that was against a like a a, a poor a ter- matchup yeah. right like I mean a good matchup for him a burnable secondary he hadn't looked good people were ready to bury him I was getting added like why is he your QB8 heading into this week has he proven that he is back now
0: my my talking point with the Packers had always been like hey they're 3-0 and and the side of the ball that had not found itself yet was the one manned by a Hall of Fame quarterback and like it was very clear the offense hasn't gelled yet and I still think even in this game, there were signs that it hadn't really gelled yet. I'm not to- not totally sure if I'm sold on the Matt Lafleur experience, Ugh. um. But I still think Rodgers, like this was a, a love. This was a game where like Rodgers went into like God mode level a couple times and like showed he still had that within his range of outcomes. And man, this could have even been a bigger game if like Jimmy Graham wasn't just a total dust ball at this point of a player.
1: Oh, um. And Jamal Williams, we should just he obviously went to the hospital yeah after that game um I don't it sounds think a
0: tough game to watch because like it, it's the sandwich of the, the game was head injury head injury that was tough
1: all right so i'm so glad i brought it back up um and we get to end on that note anyway um he's not gonna play next week i think we can all yeah. agree on that um but he was released from the hospital so that's great so that things are a little bit positive jordan howard is uh only owned in 55 percent, so maybe your fantasy league but also he's seeing the goal line exposure and that is very interesting and he scored multiple times on thursday night so sorry miles sanders owners maybe you need to i wouldn't get rid of miles sanders but just stash him for a little bit he's not an automatic must play
0: people yeah people are still trying to play miles sanders i mean you you, you, (laughs) you haven't gotten any indication that uh he's someone to play Well,
1: his work in the passing game was a little bit. It's it's, it's fine. Um, Say so. Say something nice, so I can get out of here.
0: Liz, I think you've done a great job all day. I think this has been um one of your best performances. We think we had well now
1: he's lying, so we're just gonna no. We had I
0: think we had a really nice uh, couple segments in FFL, and I had a lot of fun on this podcast right now.
1: I had a lovely time clearly as well. Um, we'll be back on Friday, y'all. Follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF. That's at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. We're out.